Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! I love that even though we are social distancing and we're doing this show via video conference, you can still yell it out. I, I do, and I, I shudder to think what my family just thought of that. I'm actually, they know, it's the podcast, but... It, you know, that, that's not one of the, that's not a refrain that has rung through the house very often recently. <laughs> but you know why you yell it? You yell it because Budget Blinds is the home for signature series automated shades. They do provide a safer environment for children and pets due to their cordless nature. That's true. And their programmable features will allow you to use less heating or cooling only when you need it, only when it's best for you and to maximize the energy efficiency of your home. So, if you are ready to make your home a smart home with the Signature Series Shades, go see our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. And it's also brought to you by a plea from Nick and Jason. Do what you can to shop local during these times. Help out our friends and our neighbors who run local small businesses. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Hello and welcome to this Friday conversation edition of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. We are back with our Board of Education candidates this week. We have with us Megan Marshall, Christine Bushyhead, and Brian Osterman. Welcome to the three of you and thanks for taking some time to chat with us. And then also it's Friday and I still have to deal with Jason. I'm still here. I won't leave. I can't wait till election season's over and it's back to you only once a week when they said shelter in place i thought they meant like in you thought the studio. in the studio yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i thought that's they were going. not what i was after oh well we try well we are going to get going on on our conversation with these uh just to repeat we do not do endorsements that is not the purpose of these interviews this is purely just to get the voices of the candidates out to the people so that they can make their best choices possible i'm going to start off with the cliched Really, really super duper hard question. I'm going to start with you, Brian. Sure. Tell us why you are running. You know, it, it, it's, for me, it's been a thought in my mind for quite a while. And as, as I've gotten farther in my life and my education, my work, and, you know, I have a family in the district and uh, just being able to be in a position where I thought that I could do some good, uh, where I where I find myself now, like it's it's been building with me for quite a long time. Um, I've been in the community community now for 25 years. I've been in I've had kids in the district for 13 years, and I've had a lot of relationships along the way that a lot a lot that I still you know still have with the teachers and staff and and other parents of the district. Um, for, for me, uh, what really what really spurred it on was I, I've seen such a big change in the last several years, just in the, in the culture in the district and in the way that the, the staff talk about the district and, and the way that uh, they are or they are not supported. Um, and, and I felt like, you know, with, with my with my background <coughs> education and, and ability, I, I, I thought maybe I could do some good. Um, so I talked with my wife and we we had a lot of discussions about is this something that we want to do and get involved in? Um, and you said you came to yes anyway and we came to yes anyway yeah it's crazy uh but you know i have uh, my, my oldest daughter's graduating out at least summit west this year uh whether they have an actual graduation or not you know uh, with everything going on um and i have two little ones at cedar creek uh we're going to be in the district for a long long time and 
I would like to be able to look back and say I, I was able to bring something positive to the to the board and how the board oversees the, the operations of the district. Christine, same question to you. Well, I um, have been a member of this community for over, oh, nearly 30 years, very involved in the beginning. Uh, I was actually here for a year before Stansbury came and then uh, was, was, was uh, in my role as city attorney, watched all the development happened, watched the strife, watched um, the issues of, of trailer after trailer of loads of kids when we didn't have the facilities. And um, so I was also honored to be involved in the, uh, the uh, economic development program as the city attorney that resulted in Summit Technology when the at and uh, Industrial Development Project was done. And so, always been very involved. Um, over the last two years, I became even more involved with the Achievement Gap conversation, with um, secondary expansion team involved in um, the business team for secondary expansion, looking at the alternatives and now real world learning grant that, uh, that we're, that this district's spending now to develop a, a recommendations for a program going forward. So all of that, um, me, um, I've always been a leader in the community. Um, I have built a lot of budget experience, certainly a lot of capital improvement project experience, and it felt like a, the right time for me with all the other, uh, with all my uh, other commitments uh, running their course. It was, I had an opening and I thought I can contribute. I think my leadership would help and I threw my hand in the ring. Megan, you, you get this question next, and this is the only time that we ask you all the same question. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm going to finish with it. That's true. Mm -hmm. Megan, why are you running? Well, I am running just as a continuation of my commitment to serve others. Um, I've been serving the country in the past 20 years and raising five kids um, throughout my career. You know, we've moved around quite a bit been exposed to a lot of different districts. And now on the last round of uh, moves, you know, we had the opportunity to choose Lee Summit to move to, um, to finish our career and to make our forever home. So I still have two kids in the district now, Serenity, she's a senior, and then I have Kendall, who is a fourth grader. Um, and just as a transition out of serving in the military, I feel that it's my responsibility and my duty to serve the community. Um, I had up close personal relationship with teachers during my uh, unexpected deployment during 2018 and really just experiencing the way that, um, you know, teachers just wrap themselves around students and, you know, getting a chance to get to know those teachers, um, you know, and as much as they communicated with me, and kept my kids included, um, even throughout the summer, you know, when school wasn't in session, how they still kept that communication open. I mean, how can you not want to do your part and contribute back to the community? Awesome. Well, Megan, we're going to stick with you for our, as we move into, what do you, you were, um, we, we, we asked you all in your questionnaires, which are available at link to leesummit.com. I have so got this down now, by the way. I know. I know. Um, it's like you can get a sticker for pimping my website. And you can see all of your answers to our questionnaire questions on that. Um, you mentioned when we were, we asked the question about what the issues and opportunities are uh, coming forth in the district, talking about maintaining the culture of academic excellence. Is this something you see slipping? And if so where? I don't necessarily see it slipping. I just think when you, Lee Summit is known for their academics and how they prepare students for success. So I think when you already have, you know, that bar set, really your only competition is yourself. 
So just being able to maintain what already is and then continue to build on it, you know, as the world around us, you know, it's changing. So just being able to stay current and to continue to pre prepare kids for success as they go out into the world, um, you know, as, as they know it, because we're, we're always evolving and changing. Well, you, you, to follow up on that, you talked a lot about uh, some of the changing dynamics of what high school is preparing you for. Um, talk a little bit about where, where you see that going and how you want to get there. Well, I see, um, through my experience, the, the need for more workforce instruction in the classroom. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of children don't want to go to college, uh, whether you know, they're, they can't or they just choose not to. A lot of children want to get out into the world. So being able to prepare those students who, who make that choice to um, earn professional certifications and licenses to get right out into the workforce and to be successful because the pathway to success is not always through college for some students. Um, and even the kids who decide to go to college, being able to give them an opportunity to still take advantage of those certifications um, just so they can have something tangible to, you know, make a livable wage should, you know, something happen and they, you know, don't finish college or they do finish college. Just, just give kids options for the workforce. I mean, the um, advanced manufacturing field alone, you know, they're com coming up on a two million job vacancy within the next five years. So having that information now and knowing that now we can actually make real change in the classrooms to prepare our kids to take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, at least on it alone with all the development that's going on, we can give those jobs to our kids, you know, and they can afford to live right where they work. I'm going to stick with the, the issues and opportunities facing the district right now. And Christine, I'm going to move over to you. You mentioned uh, in your responses to both our question about issues facing the district and opportunities for the district, both times you talked about, you talked about human resources, the, the, the resources, the people in the district. Can you talk a little bit about, about that and why, why you put it both as an issue but also an opportunity? Um, I think it, uh, when I speak of human resources, I, I speak to what we need to assist the teachers to accomplish their mission in the classrooms. Um, we currently have situations where you have a teacher with 25 students, 10 of them on an IEP, and with all of that, in a, they are supposed to move the subject matter forward. And that is almost impossible. Unless we can get more, more uh, assistance in the classrooms, there, we're not going to be able to uh, succeed in the level that we are used to succeeding as far as achievements concerned. And I think that, so when I talk about human resources, I say we don't have enough. We also have um, uh, serious salary compression issues because of the uh, way in which the salaries for veteran teachers have been managed over the last decade since the, not, the uh, failure of the 2011 operating levy. So we have not we have to deal with that issue and make and and make sure that we can bring those veteran teachers to a market market salary that keeps them engaged with our district. So on the on the on the challenge side, we have human resource needs as far as salaries for existing teachers and then more human actually people in the classrooms helping our students. Then achieve, and then um, on the uh, on the reward side is that's going to help us close achievement gaps. It's going to help um, and, and essentially help us become uh, kindergarten ready and help us with secondary expansion. And we we don't have the counselors that are available not, not career counselors, but career counselors. 
paper is available in the, in the high schools is, is non-existent. Well, let me, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, tag onto that a, a little bit with so if you if you are elected and you serve on on the board you brought up the operating levy and and there was there was a failure to pass in the recent past um, what can you do from that from that school board position to to find or create money to to add to staff or to increase salaries because it's it's not a just a you get up there and vote and do it there are there are processes so so what can you do if you're if you're elected into that position well i recently wrote about this on my facebook page and really it takes leadership from the board to demand a budget and innovative uh, uh, approaches to budget to be able to get the, the funding we need and there are ways in which we can take the operating levy and the capital improvement levy and work together you can't pay salaries out of capital improvements don't don't let anybody misquote me on that. But there, from a municipal finance perspective, there are ways in which we could potentially find, find um, uh, money on the operating side, um, but it would take a lot of leadership because it still would take a vote. But in the end, we may not have, we could potentially do it without a net increase overall in property taxes the kind of innovative thinking that we need from a financial perspective to hopefully find the money within the existing budget framework and if we can't find the money within the existing framework at least we have the credibility because we documented this is what we need and if we can't find it then we need to go look have the have the um, uh, leadership both leadership to go to the community and say look 89 cents was a was a big ask in 2011 don't need 89 cents but we may need something i'm afraid of that conversation because our school district's worth it brian i'm gonna um roll over to you and i think uh christine raised a, a question about you know with uh, the compression or uh, uh that she sees in the the wage and you talked a lot about in yours one of the biggest issue is sort of Reestablishing workforce satisfaction, I think is the phrase you used, uh, which I think it primarily refers to our teaching or our, our on-the-ground educational staff. Um, how do you plan to balance your role? Because as an elected official, you are representative of the voters, but you obviously uh, want to be at least in, in, as best you can an ally of our teaching staff, how do you how do you weigh those together or balance those when you're when you're going through this? And or can it just be solved with the application of more money? Um, I, I think money money is always a factor when you when you get into these conversations and and but trying to trying to bridge the two different roles. Yes, you get voted in by the by the by the citizenry to do a job, and, and that's to pass a budget and to make sure that the administrative oversight is where it needs to be. Uh, that includes a lot of things. When you look at, you know, with, with the way that the workforce, and, and if, you, if anybody watched the last board meeting or was, or was at the last board meeting, um, we see so much, we hear so much about where the, where the teachers are, especially as far as the compression issues. And, and, and basically, uh, when, when you boil it down, it, it, it really becomes a cultural issue. And, you know, and, I, and I've been there, you know, being a member of a public organization my entire adult life, I've seen those cultural changes when, 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 when there are times when the organization, you know, obviously and, and intentionally rewards or, or, or compensates their employees in, in a manner that the employees feel like they should be. 
And then there's times that that doesn't happen. And, and it really does change the culture of an organization. So when you, when you talk about workforce satisfaction, when I talked about that, that that's really what I was referring to. Because like I said, I've I've known teachers in the district for so long and I've, and I've heard that conversation shift in such a big way, um, in the, especially in the last several years, last five, five or so years, five, six years. Um, I, I think as a, as a board member, one thing that you can do is have that perspective when you look at the issues, when you look at the budget, when you look at the, uh, all, the, all the financials of the district. I, I know with, with the bond election coming up, there are a lot of things that are included in that that you, can, you, you can't apply anything, as Christine said, and she's absolutely right. You can't apply the capital portion to, to salaries to people. Um, but, there, but there is an option. You know, I know other public organizations are looking at, at doing the same thing because you know, it doesn't matter what public organization it is right now everybody's competing for dollars and the dollars are getting harder and harder to come by. Uh, so yeah, there are mechanisms where you can shift that, shift that uh, capital levy to the, to the operational side. You know, that, that is one option, but I, but I think really being frugal and, and being intentional about looking at our priorities. Uh, what, what, what is the vision? What are the goals that we want the, what, that we want the, the district to go towards? How much money do we have to get there? And, and really coming from a perspective of, like I've said before, do the, do the next right thing. When you have a cultural issue it, you know, and trying to change that, trying to make it for the better, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of consistency and a lot of intentionality. Uh, so I think that is what really one of the, one of the biggest things a board member can bring is, is that mindset and that intentionality to, to doing what is right. Well, Brian, I apologize for bringing up the phrase salary compression. Um, as a member of the fire department, I know that that may still be a bit of a triggering phrase from the last several years. Um, so my, my bad. I, you didn't know this would be this hard of a, uh, of a, of a talk this time. So I, I want to stick with you and we're going to kind of roll to our next thing because I think it actually blends in fairly well. So you're talking about, you know, having this conversation. And I think the, the conversation of we need to do these innovative things and make these big changes in the board to make sure that we're funding our priorities correctly comes with a significant amount of change. And you had noted one of the things you said in here is that the best run organizations are the ones you never hear about. Right. Um, I think that our seven, um, you know, we could, you could make the argument that we've heard too much or maybe just the right amount or, or at least certainly more in the last four years uh, out of our school board and our organization than we have in the t decade or so or probably 30 years almost that preceded it um, in, in a lot of ways. Do you think that R7 can get back to that, especially in light of having these, uh, what you guys are all talking about is some of these difficult sort of change conversations? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think with any time you have a change, there's always an opportunity. And, and when, you, when, you, when you have the opportunity of, of a new, newly elected board that, that's going to happen uh, now in June, hopefully, um, with a new superintendent coming on later this summer, that is an incredible and inherent opportunity to do incredible things. Uh, that, that is, if you are ever going to make a change, that is the time to make changes. And, and really when it applies to culture and, and mindsets and, 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 and the, the human side of things, if, if, you, if you don't start it then, you never will. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, think that the, I think the district can, can certainly get back there. You know, yes, we've been in the news a lot and, and, I, and I truly believe that, you know, the, the citizens with the public organization especially, they want to be able to trust who's in charge. They want to be able to trust the organizations doing doing the right things uh, that they're that they're you know responsible with the money and, and they're doing what their mission is, what they're called upon to do. 
Well, I'm going to jump. I want to jump in a little bit because I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you. Sure. I think some might say that we didn't hear enough a few years ago, and that led to some of the problems. Is because the board was quiet because we didn't hear what was going on. So, it seems like that's a pretty difficult tightrope to walk that you're talking about. It is, um, you know, especially when you have uh, an organization like the school district that leans into kids and, and they're dealing in, and, and they're working with kids and influence and shaping kids who are then going to come into the community as adults. Um, there's a lot of influence there and there are a lot of things that the district needs to be to be looking at and responsible for is how, how they're reaching out and how they're supplying all the kids what they need to have to succeed. And that, and that truly is that truly is what it is all about. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, the district's been in the news a lot over, over that particular issue. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I agree, you know, it's, if it's and, and it goes back to, you know, can we get back to being that organization that, that we don't hear about? I think we totally can, you know, but I think it takes that intentional look at, you know, what is the data telling us? Where is the data leading us to go? What decisions that we then as a board and administration make uh, to make the best decisions that we can? Christine, I'm going to move over to you a little bit. We're, we've all of you have brought up the, the the same word. You've talked about culture, and we're talking about change. What do you What do you see a, a, as a a change that's needed that 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 you can maybe rally if you are elected? What What cultural change are you looking for? Well, actually, um, my platform is about curriculum, culture, and capital improvements. And the culture piece is about how we conduct our business in a way that is uniform across the board in treatment of others. And that treatment is to, to meet each person where they are and treat them with respect, integrity, and compassion. Because if you do that, if you meet this being, this human being at that level, that's what you see. That's what you, that's what, where you treat them. Then you get an opportunity to hear their stories. Then you, you haven't labeled, you haven't created, you haven't forced your own bias on anyone. You have met them with respect, integrity, and compassion. And then we can sit and tell each other's stories. We can appreciate the histories of where we're all from. We can appreciate and we can honor all of that. Um, well, I'm going to ask you a, a, another question there about your. So, if you are elected and you're you're part of you're part of that board, you are a leader, leader of the of the district. You know, one of the the criticisms that's come of your candidacy has been that you don't send your child to the R7 school district. So, do you think that you can can still provide that kind of change leadership when you aren't participating in the district? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I choose, and my husband and I have chosen because of our faith to send our son to Our Lady of the Presentation Catholic School. Um, he is a seventh grader there, and we're happy with what he's receiving and the education he has. But that said, I have made it very clear that I believe that public education is the hallmark of our democracy, and we cannot let our public education system fail. And now we see that our public education system has an even broader role in our society today, and that is to create as early as possible some of the workforce that we need immediately after graduation from high school. Not everyone um, is suited to go to college, not everyone wants to go to college, and not all of the work and positions that we need filled in this nation need a college education. 
Yeah. Certifications and, and those type of market value assets is what the real world secondary expansion program is all working with, with the Kauffman Foundation. And that is if we could get each of our graduates to have some type of market value asset, when they leave high school, they'll have all kinds of options. It might be going to college, going to additional trade school work. But um, yes, I believe I can lead on all because really my analytical skills, my leadership skills that I have shown um, throughout the community um, and in various positions with LSEBC and Main Street and, um, oh gosh, John Knox Village that I'm on the board with now. I mean, I'm, um, I'm getting older, but I'm not necessarily the residency at John Knox Village, but I think that I can- well, I'm not going there with anybody. Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, it's like, you know, no, no chance. I'm certainly enjoying the work that I do with them, and I think that I'm providing some good leadership and decision-making there, too. So, no, I don't, I don't think that the, that the demographic in my world, which is the fact that I have a, um, a Catholic school student in my house, I don't think that impacts my ability to contribute to the community. Hi, I'm Jane Monroe, owner of Embrace the Grape and District 4 resident. Donnie Funk has my vote for City Council, and here's why. Donnie's time serving on the Planning Commission, his experience in the construction industry, and his work as a small business owner has given him the insight we need on City Council. This means that Donnie knows the questions to ask to get accountability for our tax dollars. Donnie Funk is a strong advocate for public safety and will work to ensure police and firefighters, along with all city employees, are well cared for. Join me in voting Funk for Four on April 7th. Well, Megan, you, you've taken a slightly different uh, angle uh, on, on some of this being a voice. You, you, you've noted in your, in your questionnaire that you're wanting to be uh, a voice for the, uh, as I think you called it, the disaffected in our community. So who are those folks or who do you see those folks and how do you intend as a school board member to sort of bring them back in to, to, to help them be not disaffected? Well, I would say what I meant by disinfected or um, disinfected were the teachers specifically. Um, and the way as a leader, specifically on the school board, that you bring that back is just by entering with transparency and civility. You have to be able to be open and honest with those members that you were elected to serve, the teachers, the students, the families, um, all of the community stakeholders, the business community, all of those work in collaboration with each other um, and being able to be transparent about what you're sent there to do um, and how we all play a role in the success of our districts um, is the step towards bringing everybody back to the table. Um, you know, with the teachers, they, you know, they need to be paid fairly. You know, I think we, we saw that at the last board meeting. And, you know, you mentioned about, um, you know, being a district that we don't talk about. I think when things are quiet, that's when we should start asking questions about what's going on. Um, all of the happenings that have been happening over the past few years didn't just come out of the blue. You know, it's been a buildup and a buildup and a buildup. Um, and I feel a lot of the times that the teachers are a little bit hesitant about speaking up because this is their job. You know, they, they love their job, they love what they do, they come in every day and are expected to um, instruct our students. And we have to make an asserted effort to protect them and to make sure that they're valued. Um, and what better way to do that than to make sure they're paid fairly. It sounds like you are you are taking just almost an, an opposite stance of it's not that people shouldn't hear from our board, it's that we should, we should, they should hear from us more often. Absolutely. Am I reading that correctly? 
You are, yes, absolutely. You have to be able to keep that open line of communication with the community that you serve. You know, well, how would you, if you are elected, how, how will you, you do that? We're, we are in a community where on a good election year, we get, what, 12, 14% <laughs> turnout. We celebrated 14 We celebrated 14 on this show a, a few elections ago, and that mm -hmm. makes me want to cry. However, if you are elected, how, mean, do, how do you tackle that kind of, that's a, that's a big job, and I think that's a, that's a big promise to make, right? To be fair, these guys have eight extra weeks to get <laughs> their voters out. So. But that's, that's true. The, yes, yesterday, the day before we, we were recording this, it, it came out that, that, that the state has said we're going to push the election back to June mm -hmm. 2nd. But, but I think that's a, that's a pretty hefty promise to say that you're going to increase that kind of communication, that kind of back and forth. How, how do you think you can do that? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a hefty promise or over promise. I think, you know, the way that I started my entire campaign, you know, you have to get out into the community. You have to go where the people are. You have to do those things. It's a sacrifice, you know, being an elected official, being in a leadership position, you have to make those sacrifices. You know, for the past 20 years, I've sacrificed a lot, you know, a lot of family time, a lot of personal time, a lot of things that um, you know, I could have otherwise done because of my belief in giving back and taking care of those that take, that take care of you. So as an elected official, you know, whether it means going into the schools, um, going into the different neighborhoods, you know, just because campaign season is over doesn't mean you still can't knock on doors and talk to people, you know, and, and see, you know, check the pulse of the neighborhood, you know, see what's going on. I mean, parents are busy. They, they work odd hours. You have to be able to reach everybody where they are in order to get that collective opinion and get those experiences. So as a board member, um, nothing should be a surprise to you, you know, when, when things uh, come up or people are a bit upset about the things, you know, and that's, that's where you leverage your superintendent as well. You know, they have, he has the um, responsibility of keeping his finger on the pulse in the buildings, you know, and as board members, we keep our, our finger on the pulse of the community and we work together to make sure that everybody's voices are heard. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move to the uh, the word that has, I think, dominated our school uh, school district conversation a lot over the last 18 months or so, and that's equity. I feel like I need music. I know. Well, it's like, well, this is the, th same, the theme music we were coming for as the council turns that we should probably have a slightly different theme for, for the equity conversation as we go into it every, every so often. But Christine, I'm going to start with you. Uh, in, in your pro part of your prior set of answers, you were, you were talking about how um, trying to meet everyone where they are so that you can get everybody so you can have that story. But in your, in your questionnaire, you, you talked about being fair and impartial and those don't necessarily align perfectly. So can you, can you square that circle for me? Well, when I talk about um, hearing people's story, meeting them where they are, it is accepting people for who, who they are and where they are. When you talk about fair and impartial, that talks about the application of education. So one thing is about the culture of how we're all going to get along and how do we all get along when we all come, come to school from different backgrounds and different households and different experiences? Can we have a standard of conduct that we can feel safe with? And I think that's choosing kindness, respect, integrity, and compassion. That's how we are going to treat each other. And I mean teacher to teacher, teacher to administrator, student to student, student to teacher. But then when it comes to fair and impartial, 
that's where you go, okay, there has been some conversation about the fact that maybe some of these students aren't receiving all the, uh, the same type of opportunity for education that other students in the district are. And so being fair and partial for the application of the education process is what that comment was related to. Okay, so what you're uh, you're saying here, and I guess I, I, I'm, I'm impartial gives a gives a I'm going to say a connotation of of equality as opposed to equity, but you're not advocating for that. Is that correct? No, I am not. And I think equity I think equity is a politicized term that doesn't have a meaning. And it's in our in, a, in our equity plan, we talk about um, valued outcomes. But the problem is, is that that isn't an outcome at all because values are individual. So I don't know how we ever have a, a unanimously supported or standard of valued outcome when value is in the eyes of the beholder. And so everyone else, so we'll never be able to, to succeed in the district set up to, to never be able to provide equitable access, um, even, if they, even if they would try to address concerns that people have voiced. Well, I would, I would, who's gonna, I wanna... who's gonna judge whether that hurdle has been achieved? Well, I, I'm, I, mean, I would argue that that's the job of the school board, but I think you go back to this, you were just talking I about agree. having interpersonal, I... interpersonal standards that are kindness, compassion, and, and the others that you listed at that Integrity. point. Those are uh, valued outcomes, right? Or value, pro I mean, those are part of the, the values that you're, you want the district to adopt. So you, you say that in the one place, but then on this other piece, you, you, you say that we, we can't have valued outcomes because it's, it's ill-defined, which... which I, my value, yes, I can, I can explain that. The valued outcome term that I'm using is directly out of the equity plan. And the equity plan is too ambiguous to tell us what that looks like. What I'm saying when it comes to choosing kindness, I'm saying something very specific. Respect, acting with integrity, and compassion. So I don't know, I don't, those are, those have value to them, but they also are conduct. They are behavior-based. And so that's the difference, and that's where the valued outcome term is actually a term in the equity plan. I think that, that that leads right into to the next question I want and, and, and to make sure that everybody gets time. I'm going to move to move to Brian on this one. Brian, you said in both the, your questionnaire and even in uh, you referred to this in an earlier earlier topic on, on this on this interview, you talked about um, you talked you talked about I just lost my place. Sorry about that. You, you talked you talked about you talked about finding the data. Right. And you talked about stated outcomes. And I think this goes a lot to what. Christine was just talking about, but when we listen to the consultants, and I know this is a little bit unfair of me because you are, none of the three of you are sitting board members, so you haven't gone through the board member training. However, one of the things that the, the consultant said was, you can't do that, that, the, that this isn't the type of thing that you can really put a lot of data on, and even Christine said, these are value propositions, right? So how are you, how do you, Brian, kind of balance that? Well, um, 
data tells a lot of stories. Now, if I could jump back one one moment, I don't want to take away from this being, oh, did you hear Brian Osprey said the board shouldn't reach out and talk to people? That was not, <laughs> that was not but You just ruined uh, my headline, man. Wait, come, come on. on. Yeah, that's terrible. So what I what I was alluding to or what I was what I was implying was, you know, yes, th there should be conversation. And that's one of the greatest jobs that the board has is to reach out and communicate and see what the issues are. What I was implying was, when there are unresolved issues that continually hit the news and get recycled through the news, that then erodes at the trust of the public. When that happens, then you have issues like the bond election that we all hope passes. If the voters have a mistrust factor because of what they've seen in the news continually that hasn't been resolved, that, that has a, a potential to be a very negative effect overall for the district. That, that's what I was implying to. Now to get to your question on the data. Okay, because we were just about to get back at you. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I like data. I, I deal with data all the time. I, I do budgetary work. I do strategic planning. I do, um, you know, I, so, so many things that, that are aligned with the questions that, that are being asked and, what the, and what, the, what the board looks at. Data is one of those. And, and, the, and the district has a lot of data and there's, and there's data on all different kinds of metrics. Uh, so I think from a board member, you, you have to have um, the ability to, to really look at the data and be critical when you look at that. What data do we have? What data do we not have? What data do we still need to get to really to really give a, a good solid? Well, well, I guess what is what data? What data is there that says that act that equitable access is being provided? What data is there that says how your your people are being treated throughout? I, I, I just, I'm kind of curious how that is, because one of the things that consultant told us was you can't always measure it that way and, and you can't and that very that that quickly becomes a very individual a very personalized um, discussion uh, and it's really hard to quantify that over the thousands of kids in the district I, I think that's the job that the, you know again getting back to all the support mechanisms throughout the district uh, what what resources what what support mechanisms do the teachers have how much are they getting from their administration how much is as a leadership of the district, what what are the, what are the tools? What are the mechanisms? What are the what are the resources, training opportunities that, that we're giving our staff uh, to to work in all these areas? And I and I would say, you know, when you look at data, when you look at when you look at elements like this, uh, really in a in in a public organization, there really will never be a day when we can when we can just stop and say that that we've achieved what we're what we're out for. Really, what it boils down to is that 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 um, that that thought of, of continual improvement. When, when you when you look at year to year and, and all the examples that we have and, and, the, and the conversations that we have with people, if we can look back and see where we've been and we can say that we're continually getting better in the areas, I th I think that is is what we strive for. Well, do you and I'll, and I'll let I'll let Jason get back on the microphone after this one. But do you think that then that th this is a worthwhile effort? Because well, well, of course I do. You know. It's, it's, it goes so much further than education. It goes so much further than, 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 the, than the practical learnings of what, what they're going to have in school. These, these children in the district and how they treat each other and how they're treated and, and their experiences throughout the district, they shape and influence who they're going to be as an adult in a very large way. And these are the kids that we want to have vocational uh, uh, opportunities here within our community to come in and, and eventually be leaders in our community. So absolutely, it's, it's worthwhile. Megan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to you and, and in your answer, and I think some of your conversations about uh, the equity topic and how we're, how we're doing this, you cautioned that we need to have sensitivity in moving, the, in moving this conversation forward over the next thing. 
have we been insensitive or do we just need to be better? Well, I will say that there has been a level of insensitivity and that's really based on the expression of the community. That's, that's how some people of the community feel that they've been um, unheard or disregarded. Um, you know, quite frankly, equity is in the mission of the district. So it's a clear definition, you know, to prepare each student for success in life. That's what equity is. So however you, um, you know, paraphrase it or whatnot, it's meeting every student where they are, you know? And if you're, you know, talking about measuring equity, it's not an overnight measure. You know, I've talked to the, um, the superintendent um, consultants that you mentioned earlier, um, throughout all the community groups that they had way back in November, all the way up through the superintendent interviews. And, you know, we, we talked about it because they've, they've been in this business for a while, you know, um, they're former educators and, you know, they help lots of districts um, search for superintendents and, and all that. Um, and, you know, you can't measure equity overnight. You know, it's a five, 10 years, you know, type of measurement, whether you're talking about student outcomes, the cultures in the building, you survey families, you know, it's a, it's an ongoing thing and it's a learning thing. You know, um, you just can't, because um, I mean, data, yes, you, you have to respect the data, but you have to remember too, the data is just like a snapshot in time. It's what you've already done. So you well, have to me, take that. And, well, okay. let me, let me bounce in there because I was kind of hard on, 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 on the other two for a second about that. But as a board member, you have to, a little bit, you have to put a judgment on it somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've mm -hmm. got to look at the budget. You have mm -hmm. to. So how will you, how will you, if you are elected into that seat, how will you kind of put some kind of judgment on it so that you can decide whether to move forward, whether to add more, whether to move a different direction? When you say on it, what do you mean? You well, so we're, we're talking, we're talking about the equity plan right now. We're talking uh -huh. about the equity training. So what you were just talking about was that you, you can't put a lot of those, va those, those data judgments, those hard number judgments on it, but, but you have to as a member of the school board. So how, how will you judge it? Does that make sense? Am I, am I, am I off topic there? No, I don't think you're off topic. I, I would say this is like one of the re when, you know, before two days ago uh, or two weeks ago, we, we all thought that when you were elected, you would, you would come right into the budgeting process as that, as that process comes on board um, for the, the fiscal year starting July one. Well, now I think a lot of that will be done um, before you guys are, any of you, should you win, would be on the board. Uh, how do you, going forward, Megan, what, what, what data points are you going to use? How are you going to measure success with a, the, the consultant in specific or the equity plan as a slightly larger topic? Well, like I said just a few minutes ago, measuring it is not an overnight process. It takes time because you're incorporating something new. So when I mentioned the student outcomes, the culture in the buildings, um, you know, serving the families throughout the community. That's how you measure how effective training, whatever kind of training it is that you're doing. That's how you measure how effective it's being. And you may find out, you know, along that process that you may have to course correct, you know, that it's an ongoing uh, measurement of how successful it is and where you need to course correct along the way. And, you know, that's part of collaborating with your other board members, your other colleagues, because it takes a long time and there's constant turnover. So there's a, it's just an ongoing process right but when There's you no make point it time where you're going to say where you're going to say yep on this date at this time with this student body we've achieved it and we got it right you know, but I, I guess be evolving. my question is is that the, the question comes up or was going to come up and like i said it may be somewhat mooted now but if it's not now it'll be in the future 
that whether to retain uh, EEC, the consultant, to, to continue the work, or how does that work shift and what have you, and, and that comes now, or in a year from now, when we may not have the, the longitudinal ability to look at overall student outcomes and, and, and satisfaction and, and what have you. Uh, so what, what are you gonna use to make decisions you know, tomorrow as opposed to in the future? Well, as far as keeping the training going, I mean, that has to happen. The board already agreed on you know, the training. So to come in and completely reverse that would be very irresponsible. Well, we, I mean, the school board's done it before, so I'm not sure that that's... <laughs> well, and that, and that falls in line with the whole being transparent, you know, part of it. Uh, when you're going through the training, you have to, it's a constant feedback of information. You're pushing, you're pulling information back and forth. Um, you know, training is what was decided. So you have to continue with training. Now, whether you, you continue with um, um, EEC, I mean, that's to be determined. You know, you have to, because you want to make sure that whatever training you're paying for, that you're actually getting what you're paying for. You know, it's not just throwing money at it saying, hey, we're going to get some training done. It has to be effective training. And the way you measure that effective training is, you know, like I said earlier, student outcomes, the cultures in the building, you, you should see a culture shift in the building um, and by surveying the families. Again, communicating and being transparent with the people in which you put there to serve. Okay, well, I'm going to move into into our final topic, and in the interests of of your time on this um, self quarantining week in Lee Summit, yeah, and and this is the only question that there is a right or wrong answer to. That is true. We do not do endorsements, but we will judge you severely on your answer to this question. And by the way, political answers will be mocked <laughs> roundly throughout as big a megaphone as I can find. I'm going to start with Megan, then Christine, then Brian. If I were to put two plates in front of you, one plate has tacos, one plate has burgers, which one are you picking? You know what? I would push back and say there's a certain thing called uh, a cheeseburger taco, and um, that's what I would choose. Uh, See, this falls into that political answer yeah, thing. Yeah, although, although I'm just going to say this is all I hear is taco. I know. I just, yeah, all I heard was taco, yeah, so okay. that's what we heard. Christine? We hear what we want to see. Tacos. There we go. <laughs> Brian? Well, I guess the question, am I getting a curbside or do I get to go sit down? <laughs> uh, well, I think since you're the one who has to enforce some of the rules right now. Yeah. You, you may be manning the doors, keeping people out. Nice. So, what was that, Brian? I'm sorry. We, I, if we, I'm going curbside, it's burger all the way. So. Oh, the brave, uh, the brave but incorrect answer. Yes. I, I, I applaud your bravery with that answer, but you are, in fact, wrong with all that right. answer. <laughs> Guys, Megan, Christine, Brian, thank you very much, not only for taking some time to talk with us and help get your voices out there, but also for just participating in the process and for filing to run for office. That is a big deal. It takes a lot of courage to put your name in the hat and raise your hand. So thank you very much. And we will talk to everybody on Monday. Thank you. Guys, guys. thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Well done. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the people by our friends at Shred KC. Jason, if you're looking to change, to start living that healthy lifestyle, these are the guys for you. They are and, and they're going to do it. They're going to help you adopt those healthy lifestyles, get those new habits, get those things going without all that pesky like shame or any of that stuff that goes on. It's a positive, supportive environment to help you get to the goals that you want to have so that you feel the best that you can feel. Real goals, 
real plans, none of that fad stuff. They don't, they're not giving you the fad diets. They're not giving you the crazy new fad workout. These are real plans that are going to help you get there. Whether it's group classes or personal training, this is the gym for you. Head on down on 3rd Street. See our friends at Shred KC. You have been listening to Lee's Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee's Summit podcast with host Nick Parker, a proud member of the Fredcast Network. You can subscribe to this podcast on most podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all of the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee's Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at link to Lee's Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. Mm-hmm.